sometimes, oftentimes, God's greatest gifts come to us wrapped in the most unlikely packages. Look at this just plain, ordinary. You know, what if, what if, what if Tuesday, this is what you were handed? So, so you know, uh, you didn't take much time to wrap that, did you, hon? You know, there it is. And, and uh, it's just old, you know, paper. Is that all you got? Is that it? That's the best you can do? Uh, but, you know, sometimes that's just what it looks like coming in. Wrap gifts. Unlikely wrapping. I know some of you have been looking at this today thinking, is that your best Christmas decoration? That's all you got at Calvary? I mean, you put that right in front of here, and I got to stare at that thing. That's intentional today. We're going to think about this. Wrapped gifts, unlikely packages, containing some of the greatest things. You know, today, uh, I, I guess to me, Easter Sunday is the... What would you say? Easter Sunday is the height of this thing as believers, right? We celebrate. We love God. We, it, it's just a day of victory and breakthrough. But you know, the Sunday we celebrate Christmas, it's right there close. For had he not come, there'd be no cross. There'd be no resurrection. And so today is celebration. I want you to, to think about that for just a minute. Why are we here today? We're blessed to come together. We're blessed to celebrate the greatest gift that God has ever given. How many are thankful that hope came when he came? Grace came, unearned favor, hallelujah. Peace, freedom from the things that had bound us, a new life, second chances, joy, healing, uh, acceptance, and that gift's name is Jesus Christ. So let, let's look at John 3.16. And we often do not read John 3.17 with this. You, you know this one. Come on. You don't even need your Bible. You got it? John 3.16. For what happened? Why? This is the why. Why is there Christmas? Why did Jesus come? Why are we here today full of grace and hope and life and faith? Why? Because what? God so loved you and I. Do you understand that? That's why we're here today. That's why the greatest gift ever given was given. For God so loved the world that what did he do? He what? He gave. God so loved that he gave. What did he give? His one and only son. That whoever, that whoever, whoever believes in him, what happens? Shall not perish, but have eternal life. The reason we're here today is because God loved us first. God loved us first. It's amazing to me how many people think God's out to get them. God's out to love you. For God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world. So, so look at John three seventeen. We miss this. We always stop there. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to do what? But to save the world through him. This greatest gift was not a gift of condemnation. It was not a gift to beat you up and destroy you and knock you down. It was God's love that came and found us. And then I love just this one verse in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 15. Look at this. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That word indescribable there is the only time that word is used in the entire New Testament. It's never used before. It's never used after. Why? Because when you look at Jesus, this word was literally coined in this verse. It was not a word used in the common language of the day. There was no dictionary you could go find it in. There was no uh, place of higher learning that used this word. They literally, the Holy Spirit literally inspired Paul to, to write a new word, to develop a new word to describe this gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 
The gift that can't be put into words. The gift that's greater than we can imagine. So who is his name is Jesus. Why did God do it? Because he loved us that much. But how did this work? Let's look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. I want to look, give you several passages, just different descriptions that the Bible gives us for the gift. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. I want you to go there with me. Now, look at this. But after he had considered this. What's that talking about? But after he had considered this. Do you know the Bible says when Mary came to her fiance, Joseph, and said, Joseph, I'm going to have a child, but don't worry. I've been faithful. This is from the Holy Spirit. Her own fiance said, you know what? <laughs> I can't handle this. Scripture says he was going to put her away privately. He was an honorable man. He said, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to humiliate you. I'm not going to report you to the authorities in the, in the synagogue who could stone you to death. But he said, I can't handle this. Now, come on, everybody in this room would understand that, wouldn't you? You can't believe that. This, this gift that God was sending us was wrapped in a package so unlikely, so crazy, so unorthodox, so unusual that even Mary's own fiance said, I can't do this. I, I, I'm, I'm going to do this privately, Mary, but I'm not going to marry you. I can't marry you now that you're expecting, and I know it's not my child. And so an angel came to him and said, Joseph, I know this is a little hard to believe, but she just told you the truth. God selected her. God chose her. And so we read this in verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is what? From the Holy Spirit. Never before, never again will this ever happen. Let's keep reading. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Jesus is, is the transliteration of the Hebrew term Joshua. We, we, we say Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. His name is salvation. How many are thankful that his name is salvation? The Lord saves. Why? Because he will... I, I love this... What did he come to do? Watch this. Because he will save his people from their sin. Not just forgive my sins. I'm thankful to be forgiven. How many are thankful for forgiveness? Anybody need forgiveness besides me? Anybody needed it since you first met Jesus? But listen to this good news. It did not only say he's going to come to forgive your sins. He said, I'm going to send God to you. He's going to save you from the control of your sin. I'm thankful to be saved from my sins. What about you? Do you ever have anything in your life you wish you could get rid of? You wish would leave you alone? You wish would go away? You made 1,300 New Year's resolutions, and by February 1, it was back again. Come on. You made God promises at the altar on Sunday morning in church, and by Monday morning, you're back in the same condition. I have good news for you. If you try to live this Christian life in your own ability, you're going to fail. But if you allow Emmanuel, God, to come live with us, he will not only forgive your sins, he saves you from the power of your sin. I'm thankful for that. And then, and then he quotes the prophecy. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Remember that term. 
God with us. Let's go to John chapter 1. John says it in this way, what we're celebrating here today. John chapter 1. I want you to find that with me. What do we, how does John explain this to us? I read these verses some during our Christmas Now and Then production. John 1, 1. Listen to this. In the beginning was the Word. See that in your Bible, the capital W? In the beginning was the Word. Not a, not a Word, the Word. And the Word was with God. Are you ready? And the Word was God. Jesus is God. All right? He was with God in the beginning through him, through Jesus, through the word. All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Listen to this. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. I love this next verse. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Come on. Thank God for that. And then we go to verse 14. The Word became flesh. That's what we're celebrating. The Word of God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God placed Jesus in the womb of a young virgin. And she gave birth to his humanity. But his divine nature was placed there by God. He never stopped being God. But he laid down the privileges of being God. And humbled himself in our flesh. I love what I read in the message uh, paraphrase. And I shared it some recently. Uh, It says that this verse is translated. The word became flesh. And we read here. And made his dwelling among us. The message paraphrase says. The word became flesh. And he moved in our neighborhood. Don't you love that? He just moved into the hood. huh? He said come on. I'm not just going to do a drive by. I'm not just going to send you a card. He said, he moved in the neighborhood. Wow. Got a house right next to your house. Sent his kids to your school. Shopped where you shop. Drive where you drive. Looked at the gas prices where you buy your gas. Went down to the same bank that denied your first request to build that business because they couldn't see what was inside that wrapping. They looked at you on the outside and couldn't see what was wrapped on the inside. He moved in your neighborhood, walked into your shoes, put on your flesh, feel what we feel. People are, I'm amazed how they say, God doesn't understand. Oh, yes, he understands. He understands so well he sent his son. And Jesus said, when I put on your flesh and moved in your neighborhood, he said he's been tempted with everything that tempts you and me. Now, that shocks some people. I have some people say, don't talk like that, Pastor. It's the truth. I said he was tempted, but he didn't give in to the temptation. Everything that's ever pulled on you pulled on him. Huh? Do you not think that good-looking young single evangelist walking around Israel didn't have every mama in town who had a single daughter baking him whatever they baked and, ha- and asking him over it? And, and, and little sweet thing came walking in there with Jesus and, 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 and laid that, that, that uh, Sabbath meal out in front of him. Do you not think when he walked in the synagogue that every single young... You talk about dress-up day. Come on, don't look at me like that. You, you understand what I'm saying. And, 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 and don't you know sometimes when, when, when he was walking around for three years with that motley crew of disciples he had to put up with, don't you know every once in a while when he laid down at night to go to sleep amongst the snoring and the, and, and the smelling and, the, and, and those 12 guys, he thought, you know, that little girl at the synagogue last week was pretty good looking. And she cooked really well. And the more I think about it, I might like to ditch this crowd and have a nice home. But he didn't. Because there was something set before him. It was a cross. It was a cross. It was you. It was me. It was our salvation. And he moved in the neighborhood. 
And then the rest of the verse says, and we saw the glory of God. We saw God. We saw him. We saw him. So, so that's what he came to do. But come on, let's be honest. How did that happen? How did God come and live in our flesh? How was the Son of God, who we just read, who created everything that exists, how was he humbled, fashioned, limited, placed inside the womb of a young virgin? Let's look at Luke chapter 1. Let's see Luke's account here and, and exactly how all this came to be. Because you see, if you understand this, if we understand how he came, if we understand why he came, then it's going to give you some hope about your Christian life. I'm concerned there are a lot of people who've gone to church and tried to be a Christian. And it didn't work and they're out somewhere. I'm concerned there's a lot of people who tried to do this in their own ability. Who opened a Bible and read it and tried to do what the Bible said but couldn't do it and became frustrated. I'm concerned that there are a lot of people here in North Alabama that have almost been inoculated against real Christianity. What do you mean? Well, you got a vaccine. You got just enough to build up an antibody, and now when you hear the gospel, you're resistant to it. I'm concerned that we've been around the gospel so much that we've talked about Jesus, but we haven't talked to Jesus. That we know about God, but we don't know God. That that we are religious, but we're not in relationship. That, that we try, we're looking at it from an outer place, but we don't understand what happens in the inner place. And now we look at Jesus like this package. We look at him and he say, you know, that, you know that, that package is cool for grandma, but I want something flashier than that. Come on, man, look at that thing. I'm 20 years old. I want to look at that thing. I'm 25. What, what do you, look at that thing. I want something red and flashy. I want four wheels on that. I want, I, you know, look at this mess. Come on now, I know. This is not for me. But we don't understand. We miss it. Sometimes we're close, so close, yet we don't get it. I think about Judas who betrayed him. How did he walk with him for three and a half years and then sell his soul to betray Jesus? How, how did he live in the shadow of the Son of God. How did he see the miracles? How he, he saw the dead come to life. He was standing there when Lazarus came hopping out of that grave in his grave clothes. He was there. He ate the food that was multiplied from one lunch and fed thousands of people. He saw the demons scream and run from Jesus. He saw him walk on water. He was in the boat when he calmed the storm. And yet when we get to a certain place, he decided Jesus wasn't doing it the way he wanted it to be done. And he betrayed him. So close and yet so far away. He never got through the wrapping on the outside to see what the message was all about. So look at Luke 1 with me, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, how, how did this happen? In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Re remember, what does Emmanuel mean? God is with us. Watch this. Before Mary knew it, God was with us. God was with her. So Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Then here's the how. How? How does this happen? How does God move in our neighborhood? How does he step in our flesh? How does he really change our lives and save me from my sins? How do I walk, wake up one day a man that, that's carnal and bound with this world and go to sleep that night free from that? How does that happen? What does Jesus do? How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? She said, you know, angel, I, you've been in heaven. I know maybe you don't understand how it works here on the earth. You can't get pregnant by yourself. You can't conceive by yourself. I hear what you're saying, but she said, I don't understand this. All right? Verse 35. Man, I'm so glad he answered her. The angel answered. This is the answer to every how in your life. Every how in a Christian life. Are you with me? This is the answer to all those hows that we've talked about today. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? She said, I'm limited. I, I, I'm at the end of human capabilities here. Yet you're asking me to do something else. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. I love verse 37. Now I'm not sure it's translated here. Mine says, look, look at verse 37. It says, for no word from God will ever fail. Wow. The, the original NIV says this. For nothing is impossible. What are the last two words? With God. What, is, what does Emmanuel mean? God is with us. If you and God can ever get connected, not on the outside in the ugly wrapping, but on the inside. If we can ever become with God, then every limitation comes off of your life. Every limitation is off your life. For nothing is impossible with God. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon your life, no matter what your history has been, no matter what has occurred at that moment, up until that moment, when, when, what happens when, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, nothing's impossible with God. Then I always stop there. You've heard me say this almost every year. I know it, but I, I want you to get this. For years I read this passage and stopped after that verse. Because I was so excited when it said, that's it. How is it going to be? Answer the question. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing's impossible with God. And I always stopped there and thought, man, that's awesome. What a great account. What a wonderful, I understand it. That's how miracles happen. That's how lives change. That's how a young virgin conceives uh, by herself just in the presence of God. For nothing is impossible to God. No word from God will fail. And I always ended there and just kind of stopped one verse too soon. Because... Maybe as amazing as all that we read, verse 38 is really the end of this account, of this encounter, because it says, I, what did Mary say? When he said, nothing's impossible with God, when he explained to her and answered her question, how God will do it, then she responded. I stopped before her response. Do you know that God makes every promise to every one of us here, but then you have to make a response? Do you realize God that created the earth stands and waits for you to make a response? Do you realize that God that says nothing's impossible to him waits for you and I to respond? What did she do? She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then look, then the angel left her. The angel did not come and just make the announcement and go. 
Isn't it amazing? God sent a message through a mighty archangel and he delivered it to this young girl and then the angel had to wait because his job wasn't through. His assignment wasn't over. The plan of God was not fulfilled. The earth and the hope of the world stood waiting. Heaven held its breath. Demons trembled. Everybody waited for one little girl to listen to what God said. This is my will for you. And then she said, I say yes. The miracle wrapped in the yes of a little girl changed the course of history. A little girl standing by herself in a very plain wrapping in a little village with 400 people I taught you off the main road. Nobody knew where it was. She has so far out. It was such a hillbilly hick place. Nobody knew about it. Nobody went there. Almost everybody in the whole village, 400 people were, were, were related through three or four families. And this little girl has the answer wrapped and one little girl's yes is the miracle that changed the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know today, maybe the greatest things you dream of and hope of and pray for are waiting on you to say yes. They're waiting on you to say, whatever you say, God, I'm your servant. In fact, if you go back to that verse, I want to go back to verse number 38. Look at this, where, where we say, if you'll put it up again. I am the Lord's servant. That word servant literally means I'm your bond slave. I don't even have a right. I give you my will. I give you my life. I give you my time. I'm not going to play this halfway thing. Anybody listening to me? See, see, I want this to work in your life. I don't want you to come and say, oh, we sang and it was happy and we had a happy Christmas. I, I want to see your life change. I want to see you have a new year. I want to see something go in the right direction for you. I want to see the marriage healed and the, and the prodigal's home and the family united and the peace of God operating and hope springing back in your life. And for that to happen, someone has to say, you know what, God, I trust you so much. Here's my life. Not just my Sunday morning, my life. Here's my life. Here's my life. So, Pastor, that's good for preaching. No, no, no. This is for Christian. Here's my life. I'm going to go to work as a believer. I'm going to go play golf as a believer. I'm going to fish as a believer. I'm going to, that's what men do. What do ladies do? I, I, whatever you do. Shop. I should have never asked that. Is that an oxymoron? Shop as a Christian? Anyway, I'm sorry. So, so of all the things we do, of all the things we say, he, she says, I'm your bond slave. I'm your bond slave. Here's my life. Do what you want. May your word to me be fulfilled. May your will for my life come to pass. Then the angel left her. How many times is God looking in the face of you standing saying, this is my plan. And we have to say, I accept the plan. It's not automatic. It's God's will. It's his desire. But we have to say yes. In the midst of barrenness, God just walks in. It, says, it starts off in the sixth month. The sixth month of what? Of her relative Elizabeth's pregnancy. The one the Bible says, they said, you're barren. She's an old lady. Her husband's an old man. And God says, you know, I'm just going to find me a real strange looking gift wrap. And I'm going to go find some folks that can't do it, but I'm going to show them how I can do it. You know, God is looking for people who will say yes to him. He's looking for people that the world wrapped like this. You know, if you walked in the gift store and saw this one, you know what you'd do. You'd walk on by and say, I, I need a real gift. Th th this one, th come on, man. Look at that thing. I'm not going to. Where'd they get this? 
That, that's secondhand. Some, some, hey, they not only bought this at the Goodwill, they bought the paper at Salvation Army. I'm not going to take that package. I want a Christmas gift. I want something here. Come on. They, they didn't even care to re-gift it. Come on. It may be a Walmart package. They could at least put a Gucci bag on top of it. Try to act like it was something. At least try to act like it was something. No, they didn't even care. They just put this old butcher paper on this thing. So barrenness. God walks into barrenness and does something amazing. He goes to a little town in Nazareth and finds a little girl who we would say, she's too young. Look at her. She's too single. Look at her. Finds her a man named Joseph. Guys, you understand, I want to reemphasize this to you. That when God chose Mary, he also chose Joseph. They're already engaged. It was a package deal. You ever thought about that? Do you know that Joseph was part of her qualification? God knew that that man was man enough to take what was about to happen in that life. Do you know that was an amazing selection? Men, are you listening to me? Joseph was as big a part of this deal. It's kind of like you went to Publix and it was a BOGO. Buy one, get one. You understand? When he took Mary, he got Joseph too. They were connected. They were connected. It wasn't Mary. On by. They were there. Look at Mary and Joseph. My goodness. My goodness. The accusations, the misunderstandings. And then they, 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 they marry. But the Bible says they, they, they abstain from, from relations because she's already expecting this child. And, and, and it's hard enough to start off in a little town and nobody believes what you're saying. And then this oppressive government passes an edict at the most uh, inappropriate and uncomfortable time and says, now you've got to go to Bethlehem and register and pay your taxes. Man, that gift wrap is nasty. In fact, it's getting real nasty by now. It's just tearing up this stuff. It's old nasty, nasty gift wrap. You thought it was bad enough, and then you looked up, and it looks like this. You know, just paper coming off, and things flapping out, and things tearing up. Man, look at this. It's getting worse every day. We got to go to Bethlehem. Doggone it. Don't anybody know I'm pregnant, riding this donkey around? What do they expect me to do down here? Nasty. And then, and then I get there, and there's no room for me to sleep anywhere. What's happened with this? Boy, did you know God's favor looks like that sometimes? You ever felt like that was favor? This favor? If that's favor, I believe I'll be unfavored today, God. Just leave me alone. And then they get there. Not only is there no room, that's sticking on my foot there. Not only is there no room, they got to go to the stable. This thing loves me today. <laughs> Phyllis and I got to go to Bethlehem, and when we went there, the Church of the Nativity is one of the oldest churches in the entire Holy Land. Because when the Arabs came in and took over the Holy Land, the first thing they did was burn down all the churches during the Middle Ages. But when the Arab raiders rode their horses into the Church of the Nativity, to desecrate it and insult it by riding animals in just before they burned it and tore it down. As they rode their horses in, they looked, and there was a mural on the wall of the church of the nativity. It was a mural of the three wise men. And they didn't know what that was. They had no understanding of the church and the wise men. And they looked and saw the mural, and one of them was darker skinned. And they said to each other, look, there's one of us. Something about this place, we're being honored. They had no idea. So he said, leave this church alone. We're not going to burn this one down. So it's one of the oldest churches. It was built in the 2nd century A.D. 
So literally, probably one of the most accurate sites in all the Holy Land. And it's built where they say Jesus was born. And when you go into the church, the nativity, built on the site of his birth, you have to go downstairs because underneath the church is a cave. And probably, most likely, Jesus wasn't even born in a building, but in a cave where the people who lived were so poor, they just kept their animals in the cave because they couldn't even build a barn. And so, now he's in a cave. And the wrapping just gets worse. And it seems like it, it, it can't get any better. But you know what? He came all the way and wrapped himself in our nasty package. Our flesh. Our flesh. Human nature. Human nature. Come on, we don't want to talk about in this room today what our human nature is capable of. We, 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 don't, want, we don't want to bring that up. We, we don't even want anyone to know. And God, who created the universe, who is sinless and perfect, came and wrapped himself in the weakest, nastiest thing we have, our flesh. And the good news for you and I today is that when he moved in and lived in our flesh, came as a baby in our weakest form that he became the strongest answer to this ugly thing that wraps us up and holds our life down. For you see, Romans 7 says that, that uh, Paul says, you know, the things I want to do, I just can't do them. Anybody ever been there? The things I want to do, the promises I make, I can't fulfill them. The high aspirations in my life, I don't seem to reach them. The promises I've made to God, I don't keep them. The things I want to do, I can't do. And he says what's worse than that, the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing those things. That's the flesh. That's what Jesus came and lived in. Then the good news is, when he moved into our flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit, all the power of the devil had to move out. And what held us, bound us, ruled us, ripped us apart, Jesus walked into the worst we are with the best of who he was. And according to John 1, 5, and the darkness could not overcome him. So he moved in our life. How do I get rid of the nasty part of my life? How do I get rid of the things I want out of my life? It's not by cursing the darkness. It's by lighting the candle. You put Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And darkness will be driven out by the power of God. He came in there. Paul says, I don't know what to do. What's the answer? Who's going to free me up from this body of flesh, this death house I live in? And then he said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. You know what that means? If Jesus is in you, God doesn't condemn you. He's for you. He's with you. And then it says, for what the word by itself couldn't do, the Spirit of God did. See, it says, for the law, get this, of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. How does your life change? The Holy Spirit moves in your life. And the worst that this world can do, <laughs> this, this thing that wraps us up and destroys us, Jesus moved in and turned it all around. How does a virgin get seen? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. How does God change our lives? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. How does this package we, we look like and we end up being, never thought we wanted to be that old nasty looking thing. What do we do with that? How do we get through that? 
Jesus moves in through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he overshadows us on the same power that placed Christ in the womb and the same power that raised him from the dead. The Bible says quickens this mortal body. And we may not look so good on the outside, but baby, you ought to see what we look like on the inside. We, <laughs> Paul says, although this outer body is getting older day by day, inwardly we're, inwardly we're being renewed. Before you count grandma out, listen, she may not run as fast as she used to run. And she may not be strong as she used to be. And she may not can bake all day like she used to could bake. But grandma's been walking in the spirit for 60 years now. And if you saw what grandma looked like on the inside, you know why the demons get out of there when she prayed. You know why things change when she prayed. It's not a fairy tale. It's not religion. It's not just something we do. You know, I, I, I don't mean to be ugly because I know nobody does this. But every once in a while, I have to talk about the Christian CEOs. Christmas and Easter only. Anyway, so so here, here here's what happens. So see see grandma's powerful. Why? Because oh on the outside she deteriorating. On the inside she being renewed day by day. Listen, when I want somebody to pray for me, I don't look for little Ricky Flash and little Susie Sweet. I want grandma to get a hold of the altar with me. I said, Come on, grandma, get in there with me. Come on, grandpa. You've been walking. Listen, my, my dad up to the time he went, uh dad, you know, he got older and he couldn't do what he used to do but he had that old man strength listen he may not could hit you twice but you didn't want to get hit with the first one i'm going to tell you that first one and knock your lights out and that's just the way the devil knows who god's people are and it's the power of the holy spirit See, they brought him in the temple, and the Bible says nobody knew who he was on the eighth day to do what the law required. They walked in with this baby wrapped in this. Ah, uh, that's just another baby from a poor village in, in Israel. Look at that little mama and little daddy. Ah, uh, just nothing. That's just nondescript, another group of people. But there was a man named Simeon. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit had moved him that day. My, 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 my. And, and he walked up and said, God promised me I'd see the Messiah before I die. Now, Simeon wasn't expecting the baby to come in looking like this. He wasn't expecting the Messiah to come in like that. He thought he'd be a mighty conqueror walking in and the priest and the Pharisees celebrating. But he was in the Spirit. And then there was in the next later in Luke 2, there was a prophetess named Anna. And the Bible said she never left the temple. She prayed and worshiped and fasted. And she walked up to them at the same moment and said, this is what God promised. How do you and I see past all this stuff in the people's lives around us? If you'll walk in the spirit, you will see what the world can't see. You'll find what's underneath this thing. See, really the Holy Spirit is the wrapping of Above the wrapping and 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 you know without without the holy spirit you just see this but with the holy spirit you say you know what this is a nasty little old package here but there may be something oh yeah there's something been waiting in this package there's a son of god born in the flesh a little one that the world doesn't know but you begin to see what nobody else sees now, I want us to, we're going to take communion together today. I want our guys to get communion ready. But while we do that, I want you to turn to Isaiah 53 with me. Come on, we're going to take communion together. Now, communion here is not closed. It's just membership of this church. Communion is open to every believer. See, we're not the only church. How many heard what I just said? There's only one church on this planet. It's every born-again Christian in the kingdom of God. People like to claim it. Listen, it's bigger than me. 
It's bigger than Calvary. We're not the church. We're part of the church. I'm glad to be on board. Anybody glad to be on board for this thing? All right, listen, ladies and gentlemen, are going to serve communion. I want you to go ahead and start doing that right now. Can you listen to me while you're being served at the same time? Come, we're going to multitask. Come on, right now. Go ahead, guys. Come on to the front. Now, we're going to serve everybody, but hold it until we take it together, okay? This is open to anybody who is a believer. If you're not a Christian, I'm going to let you take care of that real quick. Isaiah 53. Sometimes the package looks so rough. Go ahead and pass it out and serve everyone. It looks so rough. Nobody understands it. Are you ready? Listen to what I want to share with you here. Thank you. Listen to this. Are you with me? Is it open? Look here. Let's put up Isaiah 53 1. Isaiah 53 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Let's go. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty. So look at this. My, my. He had no beauty or majesty. No. To attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So how did Simeon know? And what did Anna see? They saw if the Holy Spirit showed them. Can I ask you a question today? What do you see today? What do you see? Who do you see? It's so easy to get trapped looking at people when we should be looking at the Lord. Come on. Let's be real honest. Sometimes the church kind of acts like and looks like this. Before you get all mad and judgy, the same God that is going to get these people right is the same one going to get you right. <laughs> Sometimes on the outside, it looks like a mess. But if you can get to what we're really all about, here he is. Here he is. Here he is. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces this is the prophecy of Jesus he was despised and we held him in low esteem my God what man does without the Holy Spirit helping us understand how short we sell the greatest gift that's ever come let's keep reading surely said, why if he's God's son, why all that suffering and pain and this? Why, why? This is why. He took up our pain. See, he took our pain. Why did he suffer so you could stop suffering? He took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Look at this. Yet we considered him punished by God. We said, look what God did to him. We said he was stricken by God afflicted by God punched by God look at him that's the answer keep reading but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed or bruised for our iniquities bruised I should have taken that bruise 
blows. I should have taken that blow. That was my bruise. That was my blow. That was my piercing. Because I sinned. He was innocent. Crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds. By his stripes. We're healed. I'm thankful today that God gave the greatest gift that's ever been given. That he wrapped up our, in our flesh and came and walked in our shoes. Faced every battle. You want some good news? And won every battle you and I have ever lost. Never gave in to the temptation. Felt it, but rose above it. And you know, that's who I want to follow. I want to follow someone who knows what it's like, but who knows what it's like to overcome it. Come on. You understand? I don't need anybody else saying, you sin, I sin, we all sin. No, no, I need somebody to come in my life and say, I get it, but let me show you how to overcome this thing. Come on, isn't that what you really are looking for? Are you looking for for somebody to make an excuse with you, or are you looking for a champion in your life? Are you looking for somebody else to try to make you comfortable living in your tomb, or somebody who says, I've been in one of those, and I know how to come out of that place? That's what I'm looking for. So today... The good news is, the blessing is, that where you hurt, He can heal you. That where you're bound, He can set you free. That where you're wounded with life, He's the answer. Bruised for our iniquities. Phyllis and I talked about this week. Bruising is when you bleed on the inside. It's when you bleed on the inside. It's not coming on the outside, but somebody looks at, oh man. Have you ever heard somebody bump into something where they say, oh, that's going to leave a bruise. You, you bleed on the inside. The word iniquity is sin nature. He let them beat him so he could shed his blood to break the sin nature out of your life. He's a good God. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful that wrapped in the most unlikely package was the answer for the world. 